CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. In the month of March, in celebration of International Women's Day, Startup Canada, Startup Communities, leading women entrepreneurs, government, and industry partners will come together to celebrate the contributions and achievements of women entrepreneurs to Canada's startup ecosystem. From the beginning, the Thrive Podcast has always been about creating and curating educational content and actionable advice from leading experts, entrepreneurs, and support organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all kinds of other support for women founders. Women entrepreneurs across Canada challenge the status quo every day, helping to build a more gender-balanced world and to release the full potential of women founders. But despite their tireless efforts, systemic barriers continue to exist, often making it incredibly difficult to start a business, let alone scale and grow. That's why we are pivoting away from the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs to the Startup Women Podcast, because we are here to assist and champion all women entrepreneurs, not just those who are thriving. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Michelle Lalonde on our show today. With both a degree and diploma in business administration, Michelle has over 10 years of experience in corporate sales and marketing. Michelle partnered with Adriana DeLuca in 2005 to rebrand and relaunch Tiber River. Tiber River offers customers natural, eco-friendly bath, body, and home products free of phosphates, parabens, petroleums, and palm oil. The company has a vision of there being a Tiber product in every home around the world. They also have goals of becoming a B Corporation and being recognized as one of Canada's top employers, and then every country's top employer. Michelle has spent the past 16 years growing the business, focusing on increasing revenue, marketing initiatives, strategic direction, and developing new sales channels. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much, Kayla, for inviting me. I'm very, very happy to be here. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. What is the top piece of advice that you want women entrepreneurs to take away from our conversation today, Michelle? Well, this is probably the toughest question. Um, <laughs> there are so many, but I think, uh, and I give this a lot of thought, I think it's number one is really know your personal values and the values you want to bring into your business, um, being uniquely you. I think over the years, my business partner started the company in 1999. Um, and from the beginning, we had two uh, two values, two guiding principles that have really, um, and every single decision that we've made, um, very, very simple, but we look to those two guiding principles. Um, and they are, is this good for the environment? And is this good for um, 
the person um, providing, you know, safe ingredients, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just having that guiding principle really helps us in making uh, big decisions, tough decisions, and then having um, bring our own values, uh, creating a purpose driven company that's based on values. Um, that's really important for a number of reasons. It's important to, um, make decisions based on that, because if you're doing the right thing based on your values, uh, you're going to get a bit much better result. And it gives you those, the, the guardrails and that, um, light at the end of the tunnel to really base those decisions. And and you're going to be uniquely you because you're creating your own business. Um, and it really is an extension of yourself and something you live every day. And um, over the years, we've worked with um, many great people, but many great people that did not share our values. And that is a critical um, component of business success. Agreed. And the journey is is much more valuable, I find, when you feel really deeply rooted um, yes. in those core values. The journey is, is much better. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> so walk us through, you know, what is Tiber River? What made you, uh, you know, want to join and help relaunch mm-hmm. the company? Walk us through your entrepreneurial journey. For sure. Thank you. Um, so it started in 1990, as I said, by my business partner, Adriana DeLuca. And she was at that time, she had her first daughter and was looking at a way to stay at home um, and earn an income. And she knew how to make soap. Her grandmother had taught her how, and she was determined to uh, create a soap that was different than other products on the market, Um, a soap that had uh, instead of harsh chemicals and detergents, something that was made with natural uh, products and ingredients. And um, that's where the company started. Uh, The name Tiber River, she's an avid researcher and had come across um, a legend that uh, that the birthplace of soap was, according to this legend, uh, Sapo Hill in the Tiber River. And okay. that's, where, that's where the name came from because huh. everyone asked that's a really cool <laughs> part of the story, right? Mm. Um, so she started with that and started making other products and people love them. And she started just sharing them with friends and family. And in 2001 opened a retail location, uh, which she closed in 2004. I was one of her wholesale customers and loved the products and had approached her about um, kind of relaunching and rebranding the company. We did that in 2005. Mm, amazing. And what was the process 2005 afterwards? What, um, you know, what does the growth of Tiber River look like? What has your role entailed over the last uh, 15 years? So I'm, I come from a sales and marketing background. I, I love sales and marketing. And my, my position, my, my title today is president and chief growth officer. So really all along the journey together in our partnership, I focused on um, opportunities, sales and, and growing our company. And Adriana still to this day uh, focuses on the vision, the culture, um, still overseeing our product development. We, you know, We'll carry a lot of the same products we made back in 1999. Mm. Um, they're personal care products and home care products that you can use in your home every day. And uh, we've changed our model. Our goal when we opened in 2005 was uh, we opened a store and we were going to franchise our company. And we, as an afterthought, added aesthetic services where people can come in and purchase the products and uh, experience them through everyday aesthetic service like facials, pedicures, manicures. We opened our second location in 2009, which was going to be um, the framework of our franchise. And we, at that time, both had three children and just didn't really want the travel that would be involved and uh, the risk. There's a lot of risk um, franchising. And mm-hmm. we decided to look at a different way to expand. And we looked at the direct sales model, um, similar to how Adriana started the business, just sharing her products with her friends and her family. Mm-hmm. And uh, really liked that model because we could give back the opportunity for others to, you know, stay at home with their children or, you know, just earn another a, a bit of extra income um, and being brand ambassadors and partners uh, with our company. So instead of putting money into the bank accounts 
And we're putting money into the bank accounts of people as opposed to putting, you know, investing in more overhead, mm-hmm. uh, more retail locations. And with that decision um, over the last seven years, that's really been um, uh, the key to um, a lot of our, our growth. Amazing. And so when you joined early days, what were the key needs of the business that you identified? Um, and, and how did you address those for those that might be seeking inspiration or in a similar, um, you know, juncture? What are the key things that you looked for that would really help to scale the business or take it into a different direction when you joined? Definitely. There's sort of been this point of learning um, as we've grown over the last 20 years. Um, when we partnered in 2005, I think what we focused on were you know, the resources, it's the challenge Mm. will always be, um, you know, when you're trying to scale a company or build a company, you're limited to the resources that you have. And the resources are financial, the resources are people, all of the, you know, there's many things that you're like, even just an example, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And as an, you know, when you're starting out, you you are the HR department, you're often the accountant. And mm-hmm. so we really looked mm-hmm. at, um, you know, the resource in terms of the funds that we needed to be able to grow and looking at um, the supports that we needed. And just as we could afford them putting the people in place, and it really comes down to the people, you're only as good as your people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hiring those people that can help you they can do a better job than you can in those key areas. And accounting is one of them. Neither one of us, my partner or I, were were skilled in that area. So finding someone that could really help us um, knowing your numbers, because if you don't know your numbers, it's very difficult to make good decisions. Mm, saying that, I love that. <laughs> know your numbers. That's a great takeaway <laughs> yeah. from today's episode, if not anything else. So I, I think also within you know Tiber River's path, your capacity for change has been really incredible. Yes. And there was an article in the Canadian Business that really praised this. How has that capacity capacity for change served you during the pandemic? You know, we saw so many businesses Mm -hmm. having to shift and Mm -hmm. pivot. Um, Walk us through that. So um, thankfully, both both of us, both um, Adriana and myself love change. And our our team, it's really helped us back in March when everything came out of nowhere. And just the ability to, you know, every day we would have a meeting in the in the morning and look at what, you know, what our challenges were in front of us. And we just sort of lived in these day tight compartments as a Dale Carnegie phrase that I took mm. away from a course, just living in the moment and dealing with what's literally right in front of you and, you know, looking at, okay, well, we can't do this, but what can we do? And with, um, just to give you some examples, our direct sales division, for example, um, when our ambassadors um, sign up, they, they want to, you know, be part of the opportunity, they, they get a business kit and this business kit is a bunch of products. Mm. And we, with our supply chain challenges, we couldn't guarantee inventory levels every day. It was changing. So we decided we would, you know, go in a different route. We, you know, you can sign up and you would get, you know, $49 and you would get a hundred dollars worth of products. We just completely changed so many of our offerings to be able to just keep moving forward. Um, and we would have promotions every month. Well, because of our product and our supply chain inventory issues, we couldn't really promote even our own products. So we looked at interesting ways where, you know, we would offer, um, you know, some branded items, we would do different things every month to still continue being able to do the key business functions that would drive the business. Mm. Oh, that's that's super interesting, and I think it's it's really interesting to see businesses that that thrived and change, or people that mm-hmm. thrived and change pre-pandemic. Uh, you know, were able to potentially weather the storm a little bit. But that elasticity, I think, that's something yeah. that you know we see within the entrepreneurship community often. Um, do you have any other key pieces of advice, particularly for women entrepreneurs? Obviously, we know um, women have been so disproportionately affected by the pandemic, um, and sort of the raison d'être of of your business, having started with you know working moms. 
how do we really increase you know capacity for change and resilience and this elasticity if that's maybe not not our nature any tips there uh, well, I think what I did personally, and I, I still do, I was just having a conversation about this this morning with um, some of our team is, you know, it's, it really starts with mindset. And mm. um, every day through the pandemic, pandemic, we would, I would, you know, I have to reframe, I have to be very conscious about reframing my mind and mm. um, not pretending that the pandemic doesn't exist. But again, going back to just paying attention to what you need to pay attention to paying attention to and, and realizing that having trust that things will work out and you, you knowing that you'll get through this. Mm. Um, I think it comes from that trust, but it, it is, it's a conscious effort. And um, I know I've worked over the years with a, a number of different coaches and I personally found that very effective for, you know, business as well as my personal life, trying to, you know, build the, that's like, it's almost like a resiliency muscle. Mm. And um, I always describe you know, the entrepreneurship is, is like a roller coaster ride. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's up, it's down, it's everywhere. And, and uh, going back to the pandemic, for example, or, or we have two retail coteries and they were literally um, shut down. We laid everyone off. We had one that was, you know, open a few hours, but we had all this overhead that we had to continue. And um, so we looked at that, we thought, well, you know, what we could do is we could try to serve them. And there was a shortage of hand sanitizer. So it's just looking at those, you know, when you're presented with a challenge, it's looking at, and what can we do to, and there's always, there's always an answer and just having that trust. Mm, exactly. That trust and that deeply rooted um, mm -hmm. kind of confidence that you'll be able to figure it out. I think that's one thing that's come up in so many of these episodes, just knowing that, you know, put one foot in front of the other and see what's right in front of you and, and try your best to take it one day at a time. Just start. <laughs> exactly. Just start. Exactly. Uh, so I'd love to drill in a little bit more, you know, with with time at home and building a business that really supports through this direct sales model, mm -hmm. flexibility. Um, and, you know, we're seeing so many businesses prioritize this uh, either forcefully through COVID that, you know, kids are at home, et cetera. Um, what are some of the tools and strategies that, that you personally find helpful or that your staff find helpful with balancing it all, especially now? Um, how have you really built that into your both corporate culture? Um, and what are some key pieces of advice for for some that may be struggling within this space mm -hmm. to, to find that balance? I absolutely love this question. Mm -hmm. um, I, I heard a speaker years ago, and I've, I've realized for myself and for many other entrepreneurs, um, I, don't, I don't think there is such a thing as balance. I think mm -hmm. it's, I, I call it imperfect balance. And um, for myself, you know, running a run, growing up a, a company and having three children and having a family, and there's all of these um, things that we have in our, our lives or these responsibilities. It's really um, focusing on where you're needed and going where you're needed at that time. You may, you know, you have be needed more at home at a certain point in time, maybe needed more in your business and just being okay with that, knowing mm -hmm. you, you can do it all, but you can't always do it all at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and then giving yourself permission to to do what's needed and, and setting boundaries. Um, one of the things that um, I've really had to do is put my phone away, um, set boundaries where I will give my make sure I have that time throughout the week to really recharge myself, even if it's just a half an hour to go for a walk. But but that personal self care and setting boundaries because if we don't look after ourselves first, um, we don't have a lot to give um, to the mm. business or other people around us. Got to fill that cup. I love That's that right. message. <laughs> that yeah. resonates wholeheartedly with me. <laughs> 
So what would you say, Michelle, to, you know, women entrepreneurs in particular who are concerned about the risks, um, you mm-hmm. know, starting a business, reinventing a business, it is stressful to do so. What are some pieces of advice that you have for women entrepreneurs who you feel really, uh, you know, maybe this is a little too daunting to potentially take on in addition to managing a global pandemic? <laughs> mm-hmm. It is very stressful. Um, it will always, there will always be stressful, but I always say anything that was worth doing, um, it will not be easy. And if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are many things that we can do. Um, having a plan is the number one um, most important piece, because if you have a plan to follow, at least you have a bit of a roadmap um, to make your decisions. And even if you're off that plan, if you, if you don't have a plan, it's it's very difficult to be intentional in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's at every stage of the business at the beginning. Um, and as you go through different growth peaks, we uh, a number of years ago worked with um, a coach that helped us create um, a great foundation with a you know weekly meeting cadence and just um, having a plan to follow and and how we we grow our business and how we cascade that down into our into our team and into our organization um, having support having a great again it goes, goes down to the people we have an amazing um, team of people that work with us at Tiber River uh, we also have a an a incredible um, team of support with advisors um, our you know our lawyer our accountant um, it's really really important to have that solid team of people that are there to uh, bounce ideas off you or are there to, you know, take your call at 6am in the morning, if you've got a problem, um, building up that support for yourself and having a plan to, to fall back on. Mm, I completely agree. And it's, it's nice just knowing that you have that extra ammunition, you know, you have external support, you don't need to be an expert in, uh, you know, all things. (laughs) There are people out there who can help you. No, you're not alone. So I would love to learn, you know, obviously, it looks entrepreneurship often looks very, you know, sexy and and perfect on the outside. And many people think that, you know, they're an overnight success. uh, And it hasn't taken, you know, 15 years of building businesses to get to that spot. What were some of the key lessons that you learned throughout your journey? Maybe some mistakes along the way, things that you would have done differently if uh, maybe you had uh, a resource, advice from you know a, a key person. Walk us through some some lessons learned there. Uh, there's so many things I could <laughs> say about this. I think following your gut. Um, there's so many instances when I look at a mistake that we've made. You know, you you get that little feeling in your stomach. Make sure you listen to it, and don't make decisions. I like to make decisions very quickly. Um, just being a little bit more thorough and, um, evaluating all of the different, um, opportunities and researching, um, companies that you're going to be working with, you know, consultants that you're going to be working with. Um, consultants are great, but we have, this is one area we heard, we have invested a lot of money over the years and we haven't always, um, received the best ROI. So being very clear on, um, it's a partnership. So being very clear on what you're needing, um, what kind of support and what your expectations are and making sure you get that on paper mm. um, and having an agreement in place. I think that's, that's a, it's just a big rabbit hole that we, we have gone down numerous times and um, there can be a lot, you know, you can't get those dollars back. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, an area that many entrepreneurs struggle with, that one of your biggest opportunities as a startup um, is that you can be faster than anybody else. And I think we often yeah. get really tripped up in speed without really, you know, being thorough where we're making strong investments, where the stakes are high, et cetera. Um, and so it's it's balancing that speed with um you know, making sure that you are building efficient processes that are going to serve you in the long term. Uh, so that that's a tricky one. I find that one particularly hard <laughs> for myself is, included. 
Mark Zuckerberg, I think it was his quote that said, go fast and break things. Yeah. And um, a long-term um, support um, advisor of ours had said if his words were, if a problem keeps coming up repeatedly, it means that the process is broken or there isn't a process. So making sure looking at what that root cause is and ad identifying a process that can be put in place to ensure that that um, you know, mistake doesn't keep happening repeatedly. Agreed. Agreed. That that Zuckerberg statement gives me anxiety. To be honest, yes. <laughs> it gives me a lot of anxiety. No, no, <laughs> tread carefully. This is for the feedback I get. But no, it's it's definitely a balance. Um, and in um, you know, being a woman entrepreneur in particular as well, are there any barriers that you felt you faced, or or key pieces of advice for for those that might be um, navigating similar challenges um, from from the Canadian ecosystem? That's a great question. Um, and it's interesting. I think it's how you, I've never felt, I've never personally felt dis being at a disadvantage, um, being a woman and a female entrepreneur in the, you know, business world at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think personally, I feel that, um, communication, there's, there's a lot of advantages. I think there are many programs out there that are available to women in terms of, um, government grants and support mm -hmm. and, um, networking opportunities. And I, I think as a, as a female entrepreneur, it's, it's a great, um, a great way to take advantage of other resources and connect with other um, women in business. I think that that's, we used to, I used to be a, a member of our women, women and business owners of Manitoba mm. for many years. And it's, it's a great way to feel supported and know that every woman in that room is experiencing some of the same things that you are, because it can be very isolating. Um, and it's important to have colleagues and people in your inner circle who are on the same journey as you, because, you know, you can relate and they can understand why you may not be able to, you know, go to that dinner because you have to work late. And it's, okay. it's just important to surround yourself with others. Um, you know, playing in, in the same field that you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a, a really key challenge for so many women entrepreneurs that that network um, is potentially more shallow at the moment. You don't have very many face-to-face -face opportunities or, or areas mm -hmm. to connect. So to the extent that we support each other now more than ever, I think is, is so Definitely. important that we Definitely. feel we're not alone and, and that we know that both intellectually uh, and emotionally. Definitely. Mm. So key piece of advice. There's been so many great takeaways out of this conversation, Michelle. Any final words, um, you know, resources to point uh, our network to? Uh, any final piece of advice you want to share with our, our fabulous audience today? Um, if I could choose three and then one resource. Go <laughs> for so it. Many. Go for it. I'll um, take it. Um, being more intentional in everything that you do every day, focusing on that one thing. And what I have started to do in my day is time blocking and you talk about you know setting boundaries it's making sure that we're working with intention every day to do that one thing that's going to drive our business um and then when you come up with against a problem uh for example i use i love to share the story we need fifty thousand dollars in it was less than 48 hours and nobody was going to lend it to us and I just sat down and, and thought, who who knows who knows us well enough that would loan us that money? Who, you know, trusts trusts me? And I wrote down three names of three people that I know would have access to that kind of capital, and I just asked the question. And I mm -hmm. think it's just as simple sometimes as as asking. Um, we worked over the years with um, the Women's Enterprise Center here in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. I believe there's chapters across uh, Canada. They have okay. been an incredible support. Um, so looking at those organizations and working with, um, you know, financial institutions, it's not just about lending money, but it's providing that um, support and knowledge and experience that can, can add value. Thank you so much, Michelle. Those are fantastic pieces of advice. A lot of really great takeaways from today's conversation. Thank you very much. It was, it was lovely.
Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, Resources for Women Entrepreneurs, with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast, hosted by Rick Spence, and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.